You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Happy New Year. So I trust that um, the holiday season and you are faring well through it. Did you have yourself a merry little Christmas? Can I get a show of hands? Let's do a quick survey. You had yourself a merry little Christmas. Good. Raise your hand if you got at least one present that made you smile. Or raise your hand if you saw somebody else get a present they really wanted and their joyful reaction made you smile. Okay, when we were kids, it really was fun, wasn't it? On Christmas morning to wake up, hoping to get that thing that you really wanted. And you couldn't go to sleep the night before, and you couldn't wait for the morning to come. But finally, Christmas had come, and you get to the tree, and you see the box all wrapped up, and it might be it. And you tear that first strip of wrapping paper off and get a glimpse of the writing on the box. And it is it. It is it. It is it. You got it. I dang, you got it. And you take it out and play with it and you're so happy and your world is complete. Good times. (laughs) Raise your hand if you stayed up on New Year's Eve to do the midnight countdown. All right. Did you do black-eyed peas on New Year's Eve or on New Year's Day? All right. Uh, And finally, okay, raise your hand if yesterday you made a promise to Janus, the two-faced God worshipped by the ancient Romans. No one? You mean no one in here made a New Year's resolution? Because the custom of beginning the year, of committing to a list of self-improving actions, stretches all the way back in history. In ancient Rome, Janus was the god of doorways and also of transitions. He had two faces to represent the dual nature of leaving one room, ending something, and moving into a new room, beginning a new thing. To seek his favor at the beginning of the Roman year, Janus, January, okay, citizens would promise to carry out a list of virtual acts. Uh, Sorry, a list of virtuous acts, (laughs) virtuous acts. But, okay, they weren't yet called resolutions, not back then. Back then, if you use the Latin word for resolution or the root verb uh, to resolve, you were talking about breaking down a problem into smaller steps to get a more basic or truthful look at it so that you could fix the situation or overcome the problem or resolve the problem. In the 16th century England, okay, Shakespeare's time, people began to say resolving a problem required a strong intentional commitment to finding the basic truth of the matter, and so an additional meaning began to attach to the word. A resolution became a commitment to the truth. So to be committed or determined was to be resolute. All right? 
And then in the mid-19th century, as the art of photography was developing, pun intended, okay, the word resolution was employed to describe breaking down a picture into smaller elements called pixels to get a sharper image or to see it in a higher resolution. So you're welcome for that little, what do you call that, etymology. Um, about 40% of Americans make the traditional goal-setting kind of New Year's resolution. How many do you think actually keep them? 40% of Americans do. How many keep them? It's less than, less than 1 in 10. Less than 1 in 10. Less than 1 in 10 people are resolute enough to actually achieve their goals. 92% of us resolvers fail. In other words, as a strategy to improve people's lives, New Year's resolutions stink. <laughs> but if your goal is to set people up for failure and make them feel guilty, then these things are great. Okay? Kevin Williamson says Americans' New Year's resolution is a glass of champagne followed by a chaser of Puritanism. So today, instead of sticking with all the old-fashioned, guilt-inducing, failed commitment New Year's resolutions, why don't we try something different? Why not switch to a new, improved year's resolution? Not a commitment to do something, but an invitation to look at something. Why don't we use the other meaning of resolution, the visual meaning, to see something in clearer focus? to look with a higher resolution at our lives in the year ahead. And maybe we can walk through 2022 with a little more peace and a little more joy. What do you say? All right. So the best way to engage the message is with our Bibles out. It's with our Bibles out, something to write on and something to write with. Happy New Year. Okay, we could use a little more peace and joy because we humans have a knack with our fallen nature for making ourselves miserable, for messing things up, for making things complicated. And one of the ways we do that is by trying to control other people by making them feel guilty. Nowadays, we've turned guilt into a verb, as in my parents guilted me into it. We've even drafted Santa Claus to serve the cause. Do you remember years ago when some Mosaic folks made a Merry Christmas visit to a local elementary school right before the holiday? Our Mo peeps were, uh, were, were with the students in the lunchroom, and Carolyn heard a teacher motivating a student to eat his vegetables. Santa wants you to eat, his veg to eat your vegetables, the teacher said. But that kid was not buying it. And just then, Arthur Apple walked by. <laughs> Arthur Apple, um, big guy, white hair, white beard, big red T-shirt. And that little kid's eyes got as big as saucers, and he just started shoveling those green beans. Okay. But the fact is, long before Santa Claus, people were making naughty or nice lists. Way back in the first century A.D., the Christians at the city of Colossae were being pushed around by their more legalistic brethren who were trying to guilt them into a more restrictive version of the faith, trying to impose extra layers of do's and don'ts. And the Apostle Paul wrote this young church a letter, the letter of Colossians, pushing back against the shamers. 
And Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrased Paul's wisdom like this. This is from Colossians chapter 2. Okay, he said, it's not a matter of keeping a long list of laws. This is Paul talking. It's not a matter of keeping a long list of laws. So don't put up with anyone pressuring you in details of diet, worship services, or holy days. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance is Christ. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape. They're a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. Christ is the source of life. Do you hear that? Paul is saying that anxiously focusing on the do's and the don'ts, Fretting about those people with their naughty or nice list, that's completely missing the point. Jesus is the source of life. Stay connected to Jesus and you'll be just fine. In fighting for the Colossians' freedom in Christ, Paul was continuing the new way of doing things that Jesus has started. Jesus who came to save us, to rescue us from our sin, from condemnation, from death, but also from slavery to guilt. He came to give the human race a new way of abundant living. In the gospel, we heard Jesus use the word new a bunch of times. At the Last Supper, he gave us a new covenant and a new commandment to love one another. And right at the end of the New Testament, in the second to the last chapter of Revelation, in one of the last things Jesus said, he hammered the point home one more time. He said, behold, I make all things, what? New. Behold, I make all things new. And do you know what goes under the heading of all things? (laughs) All things. But uh, that includes a new way of living that frees us from walking around in guilt and shame, that frees us from being controlled by people who try to guilt us into things. Straight out of Luke chapter 5, do you remember the Pharisees were condemning Jesus' disciples for their joyful way of living, for having too much fun? And Jesus answered with a metaphor. He, He said he was offering his followers a new kind of life, A new wine, he called it. And it needed to go in new wineskins. Leave my people alone, he said to the Pharisees. I'm bringing good news, and good news deserves a party. Many times, Paul emphasized the new reality in Christ. Do you remember he told the Ephesians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, all right? And going back to those young Colossian Christians being goaded into the age-old guilt game, Paul steered them clear of that mistake. We can see that in Colossians in chapter 3. Colossians 3, verses 10 through 11, where he told them that in Christ they had put on a new self. A new self. Or as the message says it, now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. And all the old fashions are now obsolete. The age-old guilt game played over the eons by the Romans and the shamers in Colossae and by us today is based on that idea that we have to earn our way into a blessed life. Salvation depends on myself. 
I'm not a good person. I'm not an accepted person. I'm not a valued person. I'm not a loved person unless I do this, this, and this. It's kind of like Home Depot. More saving, more doing. You know, my being saved depends on my doing and my doing more. We think if this time, if this new year, I can just keep my resolutions this time, maybe I won't feel like such a bad person. That's not good news at all. That's bad news. It's terrible news, in fact, because it doesn't work that way. But here's how it can work. You and I will have more peace and joy in 2022 if we set aside the age-old guilt game and look at life with the higher resolution that Jesus and Paul had. From a higher resolution, there is good news to see. Jesus is better than Home Depot. We're not talking about more saving, more doing. Jesus does all the saving because he did all the doing. Everything that was necessary for our salvation, he did on the cross. How can we possibly understand why, why Jesus, despite our broken record of sin repetition and our appalling, selfish inner thoughts, why would he die on the cross for us? How can we possibly understand that, let alone accept it? The kid version of Christmas sure was fun. The grown-up version, the grown-up fun at Christmas time is different, isn't it? Our delight as grown-ups is not in receiving, but in providing all that Christmas excitement for our children. It's so heartwarming to share their hope. They're wondering the night before, am I going to get it? I'll be so happy if I get it. And they can't hardly fall asleep. But you already know. <laughs> yep, they're going to get it. And now you're anticipating the joy they feel when they get it. And you know they'll be thrilled. And on Christmas morning, we grown-ups watch our kids' faces light up as they see the box and tear the wrapping and realize, yes, 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 I got it! And it makes us so happy to see their happiness. Some of you have heard the story about how our daughter, Claire Marie, received uh, the, the gift of her first cell phone. She was a teenager, and Carolyn and I decided that the time had come, but we wanted the moment to be special, so uh, days in advance, with the phone activated, we enlisted Claire Marie's aunt in the plot. Um, with the aunt who lived far away, but in the same time zone, she was standing by on high alert. Carolyn turned on that new phone and secretly slipped it into Claire Marie's pocketbook. We invented an excuse for a quick trip in the car to run an errand, and as far as Claire Marie knew, she was the only one in the car without a phone. So on the DL, uh, Carolyn texted the aunt, make the call now. Suddenly in the car, the phone began ringing. Claire Marie just waited for one of us to answer our phones, and we all checked ours, but what a mystery. None of our phones were ringing. And then Carolyn said, Claire Marie, that sounds like it's coming from your purse. You should check it. And she reached in and then, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> that is the grown-up joy of giving. 
Nearly 20 years later, Carolyn and I can remember that moment and feel the same joy all over again. The kid joy of receiving will wear off eventually, but the grown-up joy of giving, it doesn't wear off, does it? It makes us happy to see their happiness. And that is a mustard seed example of the mountain-sized work of Jesus. And it's admittedly a small and inadequate example, but it helps us in a little way at least to understand why Jesus did what he did for us. He did all the doing necessary to achieve all the saving necessary to give us a gift because he loves you and me. He loves us, and it makes him happy to see our happiness. The writer of Hebrews said Jesus endured the cross for what? Do you remember? For the joy set before him. Let's look more closely at this marvelous, incomparable gift that Jesus bought for us. The word Paul used to label this gift of salvation, this free gift, was justification. And we can find this in Paul's letter to the Romans. It's chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. This is what Paul wrote. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified is the word. Justification is the noun. It's a legal term that describes a, a declaration that is valid in courts of law. It's a legal act in which God deems a sinner as righteous based on the righteousness of Christ, based on the righteousness that Christ has earned. He is paid for that righteousness. Okay, this is not a process, but a one-time act. It's a legal de definition, and it's complete, and it's definitive. All right, but listen, the, the justification doesn't make us righteous. Just, justification might not make us feel righteous, but it declares we are righteous. So what's the difference between making a person righteous and declaring him or her righteous? All right, one way to think of justification, this one-time complete definitive legal act, is to think of the difference between a wedding and a marriage. Okay, at the end of the wedding, what does the pastor say just before you may kiss the bride? And so, by the power vested in me by the state of Georgia, I now declare you husband and wife. That day, the couple gets a legal marriage license signed by a pastor, and with that license, the state considers that couple legally married. Justification is like the marriage license. It's a one-time act, signed paper, you are married. And it doesn't matter if you're especially good or bad at being married. It doesn't matter if you, you jerk, deserve to be united to your magnificently wonderful spouse. It doesn't matter if you love your spouse or not. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're married. Your actions and your feelings don't change your legal status. Your actions and your feelings don't change your legal status. You are married legally. Why? Because the state has declared you married. Even if you're still a mess of a person, even if you can't keep a New Year's resolution to save your life, even if you're dirty as can be inside and out, even if, like Linda Ronstadt said, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good, God has legally, definitively declared you justified, 
righteous, clean. Tim Keller says, in Jesus, you, have, you, you stop having to prove yourself because you know it doesn't really matter in the end whether you are a failure or a king. All you need is God's grace, and you can have it in spite of your failures. After you know him, you want to live your life to please him, but you don't have to clean up your life in order to know him as Savior, and that brings rest inwardly. Okay. As Martin Lone puts it, the king has declared you are forgiven. You have been let off from the penalty you deserve. You are released from custody. You are free to go. But more than that, the king has also declared, this is what Martin Lone says, the king has also declared you are welcome into his presence. You are invited to the palace. There is a place for you at the king's table. That's justification. You are forgiven, but you are also welcome into his presence. Santa Claus might see you when you're sleeping, but Jesus does too. Jesus sees you when you're sleeping. Jesus knows when you're awake. Jesus knows when you've been bad or good, and in spite of every stupid thing you have ever done, no matter what, he has declared you good. Jesus is better than Home Depot, and Jesus is better than Santa Claus. God's gift of righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ is the most astounding, beautiful, generous, indestructible gift in all the universe. <laughs> so there, there it is. One week after Christmas, there is one more gift for you sitting under the tree, and it is magnificent. But as wonderful as justification is, it is still a gift. And so I have a choice. I can open it, or I can just leave it under the tree and walk away. Some of you remember when our Kaz Berlin was little, and Kid City was learning about grace and salvation, and Kaz was very adamant about the salvation Jesus offered. He used to say to his classmates, he was so serious, it's a gift, but you have to take it. Do you remember? It's a gift, but you have to take it. Jesus has given, Kaz is right, okay, Jesus has given us a gift, but a gift needs to be opened. Have I earned this righteousness? No. But can it be earned, ever, by anybody except for Jesus? No. Do I deserve it? Of course not. Does any of that matter to Jesus? No. All that matters to him is that he loves you, loves me, loves us, and he wants to give us a gift, and he's already paid for it. You guys, Jesus is better than Home Depot. He doesn't just offer more saving. He offers all the saving, all the saving and all the doing. He has already done. Your salvation is a done deal. Jesus has declared you clean and accepted and welcome. You didn't do anything to earn that, and you couldn't do anything to earn that, but there it is. All right, now it seems like to me with all this gift business, uh, all of us fit into one of three categories. Some of us are like teenager Claire Marie before we heard the phone ring. 
this amazing gift that's been bought and paid for, and it's within arm's reach, but we have no idea that it's there. We haven't heard the phone ring. We haven't learned the good news yet. So if you fit into that category, uh, this is a great day for you. You've just heard the good news. <laughs> you have one more gift under the Christmas tree, and it's the best gift in the universe. God is offering you the gift of forgiveness for everything you have ever done, along with his official declaration of your righteousness. And with that comes eternal life through the grace of Jesus Christ. And here's how you go about opening that gift. You bow your head and you say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. Jesus, please forgive my sins and help me turn away. Help me turn away from them and help me turn toward you. This gift of salvation that you've already paid for, I humbly accept. Believing in you and trusting in your promise, I acknowledge you as my Savior and invite you to be Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. In your name I pray. Amen. That's how you open that gift. And if you have uh, questions about that, or if you're not sure about accepting that gift, if you'd like to talk to somebody, um, then Carolyn or Chris or I would be happy to see you after the service or to hear from you this week. That's the first category. The second category is kind of a tricky one. It's made up of the people who know about Jesus' gift of grace and have, it's gone, ha, and have gone as far as opening the present, but haven't really gotten the knack of enjoying it. I've spent, I spend a lot of time in this category, even still. God help me. Okay. Kind of like a Claire Marie who hears the phone ring in the bag and pulls it out and understands it's a great gift, but it's kind of overwhelming and the magnitude of the gift and the generosity of it and, and really kind of afraid, of a little bit at least, of the bigness of it. So rather than shouting for joy and jumping right in and having a blast texting and calling friends and playing Tetris, you kind of just shy away and keep living your life as if you hadn't really been given a phone. You hold on to the old mindset. Keep to the Home Depot routine and try to do your own saving by your own doing. The old naughty nice list with all its guilt and anxiety, it doesn't bring joy, but it's familiar and safe in a way, and it's in your comfort zone. Maybe you've always been the kind of person to make a bunch of New Year's resolutions that you end up not keeping, and you've just gotten used to feeling guilty. That's what it looks like to put new wine in an old wineskin. There's a lot of leakage when you do that. So if that category sounds familiar, it might be helpful to look at the gift of justification from a, a fresh perspective, to see it at a higher resolution. Okay, first, remember that just as Carolyn read in Lamentations at the beginning of the service, God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning is Christmas morning. Okay. Every day is like Christmas. 
How about reminding yourself every morning about that present under the tree that you've opened? This gift of guilt-free, declared righteousness has been paid for and freely given to you. Every morning and any time that guilty feeling starts to pester you, remember that day when you heard the phone ringing and you looked in the bag and answered the call and heard Jesus on the other end saying that he loves you and he'll always love you and he hopes that you will enjoy the gift of freedom he's given you. Remind yourself every day. And second, it might be helpful throughout the day to say little prayers. Okay, little prayers like this. Jesus, thank you for your gift of forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for setting me free from guilty feelings. Jesus, thank you that I don't have to earn your love Thank you for accepting me and loving me no matter what. Thank you, Jesus, for promising never to leave me no matter what. Jesus, help me to rest in your love and in your loving protection right now. Jesus, help me fully embrace the gift of abundant life right now. Jesus, help me be joyful right now. Rich Velotis uh, says the, these, these short prayers are called breath prayers, okay? And you say them multiple times a day, dozens of times a day, all throughout the day. Rich Velotis says um, his breath prayer as he goes through the day and his mind is wandering and he's thinking about a billion different things and all of a sudden he comes to an awareness of how, how distracted he is. His breath prayer is, Jesus, here I am. Jesus, I'm here. That's a good prayer to pray dozens of times a day, all through the day. And that, those, those prayers, uh, those breath prayers can help those of us who still struggle with guilt or shame or anxiety to keep Jesus' love in front of us. All right, so we've got that first category, the group that's heard about Jesus' gift of justification hasn't yet heard it. And we've got this second category that's going to remind themselves every day that it's Christmas and say those breath prayers all through the day. And eventually, I hope, we'll all end up in the third category where we'll join the ones who've heard the phone ring and have pulled it out and are now bursting with, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They are the ones who go to town fully embracing, fully enjoying God's amazing gift. Grateful to God, overjoyed to be loved in such a deep and powerful way. If you think about it, when your kids get the toy of their dreams on Christmas Day, you don't have to tell them to go play with it. Play happens. And I wonder if that has something to do with why Jesus said, in order to enter the kingdom, you have to become like a little child. Children are really good at opening presents and playing with them and having fun. And do I need to point out, that, that might be a prayer. Jesus, help me to be a child. Help me to be your child. Do I need to point out that kids have a lot of fun playing with their friends in their neighborhoods? You know, in community. As we get the hang of receiving and enjoying this incredible gift of salvation, justification, from a loving God, we'll grow to better understand his love for us and to respond with our own natural gratitude and love for him. 
we'll want to grow closer to him. And we will move further along the road of following Jesus, of being his disciple, and of becoming more like him. Not because someone is guilting us into it, not out of a feeling of obligation or fear or the need to earn, but because we want to. Because the closer we grow to Jesus, the more joyful our life becomes. Folks, it is a free country. This new year, you can do the age-old thing. You can try to earn your worth by making a bunch of resolutions that you'll end up breaking, and then you can walk around feeling guilty. If you really want to, you can do that. Or you can look at the year ahead with a higher degree of resolution. Look, there's a gift under the tree. And it's got your name on it. Open it up. Come on. Take it out and play with it. Jesus will be so happy. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I'm, I'm praying for all the people in all three categories. For those who haven't heard the phone ring until just now, just this morning, I'm praying, Lord, that they will pick it up and answer it, that they'll accept the good news, that they will surrender to you and accept this amazing gift of salvation and justification and eternal life. Help them, Lord Jesus. Help them. Lord, I'm praying for those folks in that second category who see the gift, who know the gift, but just haven't gotten the knack yet of enjoying it. Have mercy, Jesus. Pray that you'll help us. Help us remind ourselves every day that it's Christmas and that you've given us this gift. And I pray that you'll help us every day with those simple prayers all day long, those simple prayers to remind us to stay connected to you and to help us all throughout the day so we'll grow closer to you. And we're giving thanks, Lord, for that third category of the people who are overwhelmed with joy. Um, here on earth, we'll all be in that category when we get to heaven, Lord. We will all be screaming, oh my gosh, how glorious you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for the gift of 2022. Open, our, open the eyes of our heart, Lord Jesus. We want to see. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.